0: Hello out there in cyberland, it's striketober in America. From the John Deere factory floor to the cereal-crunching halls of Kellogg's, workers are telling management they've had enough. It's labor unrest the U.S. hasn't seen in my lifetime. Thankfully, today I'm joined by Motherboard senior staff writer and expert on all things labor, Lauren Kaori Gurley. Let's roll that beautiful music. I'm Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. Flooding the virus. Eagle One, the package being delivered. All right, Lauren. So you've been on this beat for a long time, and the article that I kind of, that kind of really caught my eye, and that I really wanted to talk about first today is this right here that we've got up on the website. Our future is not for sale. America is witnessing the biggest strike wave in a generation. So this article itself is kind of a gateway to everything else that you're writing about right now. It covers just a whole bunch of topics. So can you kind of walk us through the ins and outs of this and like what's going on out there right now?
1: Sure. Um, so a lot of people are either on strike or about to be on strike. We have um, 10,000 workers in John Deere. at John Deere, the agricultural giant who walked off the job Um, Last week, there are 2,000 nurses in Buffalo on strike, nurses in Massachusetts on strike, a group of Instacart workers who are on strike, um, 1,000 coal miners in Alabama who've been on strike, I believe, since April. Um, And then uh, there was a strike that was narrowly averted uh, earlier this week where 60,000 Hollywood workers TV and film workers were on the brink of going on strike before they reached a tentative contract deal. Um, that would have been the largest Hollywood strike since I think World War II. Um, Harvard grad students are just authorized to strike. Columbia grad students just said today that they're thinking about going on strike. There are lots of uh, flight attendants who said today that they, they voted to go on, um, they voted to authorize a strike. So basically, um, no, I guess, Maybe it's a little premature to say this is the, I know I said this in the article, that this is like the largest strike wave in a in in our gen, in a generation or in our lifetimes. Um, but basically, um, if those 60,000 Hollywood workers end up going on strike, then we'll be at the stage where it will be definitely be sort of a historic moment. I think right now we're at numbers that we haven't seen since the 1980s. Um, basically, there's a period of time between... Um, the 90s, the, 2000, the early 2000s, where strike activity, labor activity in the U.S. like really declined, um, partially because union density in the United States really declined. Unions lost a lot of members. Um, and so we're sort of at this place um, where we're seeing a lot of labor militancy. Um, workers are using leverage that they have and they haven't had in a long time due to a tight labor market, not only to go on strike, but also to... Um, organized unions. So we're seeing, we can talk about it more later, but we're seeing union drives at companies like Amazon, Starbucks, Dollar General, um, that have never seen, that have never been unionized before. And then there's also the great, what they've been calling the great resignation. So Americans are quitting their jobs in record numbers. um, In, I believe, last month, uh, 3% of all U.S. workers quit their jobs, um, which was an all-time high. I think that's 4 million people. Um, And, you know, not everyone has the ability to strike. So you have to be in a union to to technically legally go on strike. So for a lot of people, their only way to sort of protest working conditions is to quit their jobs and go find, which they can right now, um, you know, better paying jobs because a lot of employers are desperate for workers
0: Probably help if I unmuted myself. Well, let's zero in <laughs> on uh, John Deere first, because that I think that's a big one. I think you know John Deere's been in the news a lot lately. We've certainly been covering it, aside from just the strike stuff that's going on. Sure. How many you know? How many people at John Deere are striking? What are they asking for? And um, you know, it's created some viral moments. Some things have happened on the factory floors. Uh, can you walk us through <laughs> some of that?
1: Yeah. So last week, uh, 10,000 workers went on strike um, at John Deere. So this is in Illinois, Iowa, and Kansas. Um, 10,000 workers is a lot of people. It's, I believe, the largest strike we've had since 2019. So since before the pandemic. And the strike came about basically because 90% of workers Um, 90% of John Deere union members voted 90% to reject a deal that the company had negotiated with their union for their working conditions. Um, Basically, what the company and the union wanted to do um, was to sort of Um, set up or expand a sort of two-tier employment system where new hires got like lesser pay and lesser benefits. So people who got hired after the contract for example, would no longer receive pensions. So basically, uh, union members were pretty pissed off about this. I mean, this is sort of like selling out your future colleagues (laughs) down the road, um, saying that, you know, like, yeah, I can keep my my pension benefits, but anyone who comes after me um, isn't going to have the sort of same working conditions. So I think a lot of people saw that as a terrible thing. You know, this job is no longer a good middle class job um, that it used to be um and they were also you know there was inadequate wage increases so workers weren't even getting increases that would in this new contract that would keep up with inflation um and so I think a lot of people sort of felt emboldened I mean right now you're seeing people at Wendy's and McDonald's being paid over 20 dollars an hour and so I think um workers in in these in these uh John Deere factories felt emboldened like hey like these workers are getting raises like we're actually like losing money in our contract. Um, so, you know, why not go on strike? Um, you mentioned some viral moments. I think um, as we know, John are, I should say that John, these positions are pretty highly skilled jobs. So you, so you can't easily like replace workers. So I think it was on the first day of the strike, they uh, tried to replace um, workers were out on the picket line and they tried to replace Um, them and keep production going by bringing in uh, non-union salaried office workers. And an office worker um, accidentally crashed a tractor into a utility post and like severely damaged an electrical box. Um, And that just goes to show that, um, you know, jobs are highly skilled you can't just replace workers and workers know that and they know they're in this position where they have a lot of leverage right now to go on strike and their jobs just can't they're, they're not they're not replaceable um and so that was a, a good illustration of that
0: well and to be clear it's not like john deere hasn't been making money hand over fist right
1: yeah they've i mean this is what you're seeing at a lot of these companies where people are either striking or
0: unionizing
1: um, John Deere has profited a ton during the pandemic. Um, so Amazon, so has Dollar General, so has Starbucks, um, so has Kellogg's. Um, and so uh, basically, um, yeah, workers know this as well. I think a lot of times it's harder to negotiate for big raises and wins when you know the company is not doing so well, but they know that's not true. Um, so so they're hoping to get more out of, out of you know, by going on strike, they're hoping they get a better deal.
0: So what's going on at Kellogg's then? Because that's another kind of big one. You know, everyone eats; cereal. most people eat cereal. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: I, and there's this great, there's this great uh, video or photo, and you kind of track down the person that was in it, right?
1: Yeah. So similar, somewhat similar situation to John Deere. Uh, Fourteen hundred smaller union though. Fourteen hundred Kellogg's uh, factory workers went on strike a few weeks ago. Um, basically their problem was that they were also getting asked to sort of do this two tier employment system where they're selling out their colleagues down the road, um, by agreeing to, you know, sell away their, their benefits base or give away their benefits. Basically, um, they're also agreeing to get rid of cost of living wage increases. So basically there's no wage increases left in their contract. Um, so basically this photo, uh, um, went viral of this man, I think you can see it right now, um, who was the, uh, the security guard. He's a, he's a worker, he's a, um, forklift operator, but he was supposed to be guarding one of the gates outside the, the Kellogg cereal plant in, um, Omaha, Nebraska. That's where they make like Rice Krispies, cornflakes, Fruit Loops, and 20 other cereal brands. Um, but this photo of him went viral. It's pretty striking. He's out there in the middle of like a torrential downpour. Um, Everyone else went inside for their car into their cars. (laughs) Um, But the deal is with this is that when you're on strike, you are technically supposed to keep all of the entrances to a work site, um, guarded at all times by picketers or people who are sort of workers who are watching over because that means that the company can't then bring in other union workers to fill your spot. Um, So, you know, people aren't supposed to cross picket lines, especially union workers aren't supposed to cross picket lines. So he's out there guarding it. And we tracked him down. Um, I just got in touch with uh, the the president of his union. He goes, Oh yeah, that's Jason Schultz. Uh, And I called Jason a few times and he didn't answer Um, and then eventually a day later, he said, I, oh, I hadn't slept for more than 30 minutes in like the past week or something. And I've been asleep. Sorry about this, but he basically explained, uh, you know, why he was out there. Um, he said that that photo to him, he doesn't just see himself, but he sees all 1400 workers, um, which was kind of a moving thing to hear. Um, Yeah.
0: All right, and this is not just strikes are a big part of this, but it's not just strikes, right? People are as you mentioned up at the top, people are unionizing all over the place. Um what kind of activity are we seeing there?
1: Yeah, um oh, just today actually, um Amazon warehouse workers at, at New York City's largest Amazon warehouse, which is in Staten Island, um Announced that they are petitioning. They formed a union and they're petitioning to unionize with the National Labor Relations Board. This is would be if they if they succeed, they would be the first um, union at an Amazon warehouse in the United States. Um, this also comes after uh, Amazon defeated a uh, union drive, the first ever union drive at one of its warehouses in April um, down in Alabama. Um, and so I think this will get a lot of attention. This is also a unique situation because the union is independent. It's not affiliated with any national union. Um, aside from that, so that's that's a big deal. There's a lot of organizing going on at Amazon, not just two instances I mentioned. Um, that's sort of unprecedented. I've also been covering... Um, Union drives at hello fresh. Um, so unite here is, uh, unionizing hello fresh, the like meal kit workers at factories in Colorado and California. There's several thousand workers, um, who are facing some pretty horrible, um, working conditions, pretty unsafe, lots of injuries. Um, we've also been covering, uh, union drives in, uh, New York, uh, at Starbucks. So, um, that there's going to be a union election at Starbucks within the next few weeks, and that would be the Starbucks' in in Buffalo, and I expect that would... Sorry. um, I think that... uh, I don't know. I mean, Starbucks is running a pretty intense union-busting campaign. As you can see, they recently closed two of the stores that were trying to unionize, um, but Starbucks workers also uh, would be the first Starbucks workers in the U.S. to unionize, so that would be historic as well. Um, you have, I haven't covered it, but there's a dollar general that I mentioned and dollar general has just boomed during the pandemic. And there's a dollar general in Connecticut that is, um, voting on whether to unionize tomorrow. And they would be the first in the country to, to unionize. So there's a lot of, um, union drives going on at places where maybe you haven't seen them before. You haven't seen workers win before, but workers feel emboldened by this moment that we're in. Um and I think a lot of organizers and people have observed that like when you when people see each other organizing, it sort of has a domino effect. So um people inspire each other. That's sort of what's going on now a bit. Um, but yeah. So why That's the main ones.
0: Why is this happening now? What has changed in America in the past twelve months that unions and strikes have become such a potent force?
1: Yeah, so I don't think it's accurate to say that. Um, workers have more power. Um, I think we're in this situation like, that workers have sort of been organizing and built all this power that we haven't seen since, you know, the 40s or something. I don't think we're there yet. And I don't think that's what's going on. I think workers are realized that, you know, we're in a tight, tight labor market, basically, the pandemic has made it such that um, people, first of all, are receiving benefits, and they don't have to come back to work. Um, but also, people have like worked through the pandemic in, in horrible conditions. A lot of people have risked their lives in like these jobs that have been, been deemed essential for like minimum wage to like seven twenty-five an hour, um, which is still the minimum wage in the United States. Um, and so, uh, I think the what's really the real reason why all this all is happening is because have more leverage. They're not stuck in their jobs. They don't have to stay in a shitty job because um, there's basically more employers who are looking for workers and more positions open than there are workers looking for them. Um, so the workers are in sort of this uh, position where they have the upper hand um, to say, "Hey, like, I want to demand. I'm going to demand more." Um, we've seen wages be stagnant for the past few decades. Um, in this country. And so I think that also when certain employers you're seeing in like hospitality or in fast food, when certain employers are offering, you know, more than they've ever offered before, 15, 20, 17, 20, $25 an hour, or huge sign on bonuses. Other workers who may not be in industries that are as like in such a tight labor situation are also like, hey, like I could leave and go work somewhere else because they see other places offering more. And so they use that moment or they use that situation to demand more. So on the one hand, that ends up with like workers who are unionized um, going on strike to demand more. On the other hand, you have workers who aren't unionized unionizing for the first time.
0: All right. I want to focus in on working conditions um, because this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart as someone that worked uh, retail for most of their adult life in various capacities. Um, This one I find really striking. I think this is a good jumping off point. People work 100 days straight. Kellogg's workers shut down cereal factories. Can we talk a little bit more about that? And I am also, again, because it's near and dear to my heart, pretty interested in what it's become, what it's like right now to work in service industry jobs?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so in terms of Kellogg's, which are, are these are factory workers, um, but also just a general trend with what I'm hearing from workers around the country is that it's not, it's not just about wages or the, the issues that they're having at work aren't just about wages. Um, during the pandemic, a lot of people, um, for example, Kellogg's, uh, was, Um, you know, mass producing cereal like they never had before. And so a lot of their workers were on, uh, you know, double over or like, uh, what do they call it, like overtime shifts where they're working like four hours before their shift and four hours after their shift. And so they're working 16 hours a day. Um, People at Kellogg's, but also at Nabisco, which went on strike recently, which makes other snack foods like Oreos and Chips Ahoy, they were also saying that they have, in some cases, worked for months without a day off. So that includes weekends. Um, They also saw that at Frito-Lay, which bakes all the chips. Um, So, yeah, people are really burnt out and tired. And, you know, in some cases, I've spoken to workers who are like, yeah, hundreds of days of work, no, no day off. Not only that, we're working 16-hour days. Um, This, you know, isn't really a life. And, you know, I mean, people have... People's relationships have suffered. People haven't had anything, sort, any sort of life outside of work for a long time. I think this is also true um, for Starbucks workers under um, being Starbucks being understaffed, just understaffing in general, and then people's schedules being, you know, so extreme, like they're working so much. Or on the flip side, for example, like in the gig economy, um, at like Instacart, workers not being able to get enough work. So. This sort of precarity in terms of hours or like extreme hours, I think is a huge thing, obviously stagnant wages, um, wages, I mean, the minimum wage has been in it, like the federal minimum wage in the United States has been stuck for a very long time, I can't remember exactly how many years at 725. Um, and then I think another theme is this sort of two tier system that I've been bringing up where. Companies are trying to say, "Okay, hey, like we don't want to spend so much money on people anymore, but why don't we just agree together to sort of um, sell out uh, new hires in the future?" So overall, just degradation of working conditions slowly across the country. That um, you know, people are pushing back against. Uh, I think are the main concerns. Obviously, in in factory work and in Amazon warehouse work, I think that um, that. Uh, Safety is a huge issue, like people getting seriously injured on the job, or injured in a way that you know affects them for the rest of their lives, or injured in the way that they can no longer work anymore. Um, and then I think on, I mean, I, we haven't talked about this as much, but I think for white collar workers, um, there's a lot of organizing going on around more ethical issues. Um, so we're seeing a lot of workers in in tech organizing around products that their company make or. Their company makes, or you know, contracts their company has with ICE or other organizations that workers feel aren't ethical.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about these tiered systems that are coming out. Uh, I bring it up again because it was one of the first comments that we got on the Twitch stream here. Uh, hashtag IA Solidarity hashtag Vote No to to tiered pensions. Um, <laughs> the the way this reads to me, and forgive me if I'm. I'm screwing it up is it sounds like some of the older workers are trying to slam the door behind them and to kind of preserve what they've got. Like what, what is with the deal with these tiered pension systems?
1: Yeah. So I don't think it's, it's workers necessarily who want to do this. I think it's um, companies are saying, Hey, we don't want to, um, we we want to make we want you to make some sort of concessions and often it's easiest to get workers to concede things that aren't going to directly affect them I think workers feel like very strongly at these places that they don't want they hate the idea of new hires or their own children working for you know lesser wages or without you know free health care companies covered health care or you know Thinking about their children no longer having pensions, but but the real impetus behind this and is is sort of the companies pressuring this and workers feeling like they have to make some sort of concession. Um, I think another way that um, this happens is sometimes unions it appears aren't necessarily in touch with their, their members. So unions will come up with a deal and say, Hey, we're going to get rid of pensions for new people and union members will say hell no. And that's what's sort of been happening at Kellogg's or sorry, at, uh, at John Deere, um, with the United auto workers, which is their union.
0: Um, so that kind of speaks to, you know, look at all your lovely labor reporting floating over here. Uh-huh. Um, So this speaks to another comment that we just got in the Twitch channel, and I want to bring it up. Uh, It's kind of a pushback, but it's also something like I can hear my dad telling me. Um, And I I do think that it's important to be able to kind of understand the opposition here and be able to push back against it properly. Um, So this is from Futterman's Rule. Wow, sounds like a resurgence of the validity of unions in the U.S., I say resurgence from my perspective that unions have gotten away from what they were created for a generation ago. And I like that speaks to something that I think like boomers would say um, that (laughs) unions were created to solve a problem. Uh, They solved that problem. We didn't need them anymore. Um, Do we need them again? We obviously need them again, right? Because they're springing (laughs) back up, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I guess I would say that there was, a period I think in the 1980s when union membership first started to decline um and then it got really bad I think now we're at like six percent of of private sector workers are in unions which is down from somewhere in the the 20s or mid, like over a quarter of workers um but yeah I think you know that if 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 uh, if unions what were were sort of in this imperfect system that we have, what made it possible for people to, you know, sort of live middle class lifestyles and you know be able to retire at 65 and have healthcare that was paid by your employer, um, where you didn't have to pay anything for your health care. Um you know that that is definitely no longer the case in this country um we are very far from that reality that maybe people in the you know 50 60 70s had um, and so i think uh people are use, using unions to sort of um get those benefits and and that security uh back um and and uh you know a lot of people do not receive health care like if you work at mcdonald's or whatever you probably don't have healthcare, um, unless you get it somewhere else. Um, so, so that's, that's how people are, uh, that's why I would say unions are coming back. Um,
0: so I'm from, I'm from Texas. Uh, I still live in the South. Like I said, I worked retail for the most, for most of my adult life. Being a journalist is a relatively new development for me. I'm very happy to be here. I'm part of a union now. It's great. Um,
1: kind of retail did you work?
0: I worked uh, a lot of audiovisual, so like Best Buy for a long time. Probably stayed the longest at uh, Banana Republic, of all places, where I worked. Um, I was a floor manager, and I was also – I worked stock. So like getting up at 4 in the morning, unloading trucks, staging the store for everybody. And I did it in Dallas, which is like retail – one of the biggest retail markets in the country. Um, And then before I left, I was at a, a bookstore chain. Uh, for a long time um but an aspect of the job and this was every single job um everything cost more the insurance got worse and it cost more it cost more and covered less every single year and the raises that the pitiful raises you would get just simply wouldn't cover anything um and on top of that you were dealing with um People at their worst, like when people are coming in and shopping from you, especially at like a high, a quote unquote, high end retailer like Banana Republic, they they feel like they are paying for permission to treat you terribly. Um And that's, again, something that's just captivated me about a lot of your stories is that you you have this really you have this great like laser focus on. um workers and what it's like to be in these jobs. And I wanted to hit this one um, just because I think it speaks to just how, how shitty it is. It can be to be in these jobs Um, in New York city. This is from September, but I want to hit it Any New York city. Delivery workers gain the right to use restaurant bathrooms. What, why? I mean, I know it's hard to find a bathroom in New York city in general, Right. But why weren't people being allowed to use the restroom while they're doing their job? And this is, it's weird because this is something that recurs across a lot of jobs, right? Like you hear about it at Amazon. And I know it's something that I certainly dealt with when I was on a retail sales floor. Um, if you're in there too long, they're going to start, the bosses are going to start looking at their watches.
1: Right. Yeah. We've done a lot of reporting on um, gig workers and bathroom access. Uh, this is one of those stories specifically about New York. Um, this was always a problem, like you're saying, um, be- even before the the pandemic, uh, you know, Uber and Lyft drivers were peeing in bottles in their cars or, you know, delivery workers for Grubhub and DoorDash had to find, you know, pull over and find whatever, someplace to, to relieve themselves. Um, so during the pandemic, this got extremely bad, like a lot of restaurants were banning all delivery workers and delivery workers are independent contractors which means they're not employees of gig economy company like they're not employees of grubhub but they're also not employees of the restaurant they're picking up from and the restaurant they're picking up from is saying hey like you can't use our bathroom for you know hygiene covid reasons and then we're also sort of on a clock that that sort of um they're being they're being punished by an algorithm that the, the gig economy company has so that they're supposed to be working as quickly as possible, taking as many orders as possible. But if they take too long, their ratings go down and that affects if they're able to get more orders, which then affects whether or not they're able to make money. Um, so
0: I think we lost you. Oh, Sorry, there's a, there was a burp oh. in the internet and we lost you for just a second.
1: Oh, can you hear me now? I
0: can hear you now. You're good.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, so, so basically during the pandemic, uh, a huge group of New York City delivery e-bike drivers started organizing um, around this issue and a number of other issues, like their bikes being stolen. But this was a big issue. Um, the group is called Los Deliveristas Unidas and they are basically a group of sort of uh central american latino immigrants from um i guess mostly from latin america but from all over the world who organized to get the right to use the bathroom and they just want it um city city council in new york just voted to um say that you know bathrooms have to uh, as much as reasonably or reasonably like as much as as possible offer or allow gig workers who come into their restaurants to use their bathrooms um I think a lot of people's reaction to this was how was this not a right that they already had? Um, this is like such basic, um, such a basic way just to to treat anyone, especially someone who is working for you. Um, and, and yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I think, um, you know, it just goes to show a lot of times we forget that. Yeah. I mean, Working conditions are bad across the country, but some of the people in the most vulnerable positions are those who are independent contractors who work for these gig economy companies who have no benefits um, or employment rights at all.
0: So another aspect of this I wanted to hit is another kind of pushback I typically hear from more uh, conservative-leaning friends um, that – the reason that all this is going on right now is because it's too easy to get government assistance. The stimulus money has made it too easy to not work. Is there, do you think there's any, I know that it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I think if people actually delved in and figured out when money stopped coming to people, they may change their tune, but can you kind of walk me through, does that mean anything? Is that been helping at all?
1: Um, so Yeah, I think that definitely people are, um, I guess, I'm trying to remember, I saw a study done on this. I I think that there's definitely some evidence that workers are not going back to work um, or staying home um, because of uh, stimulus checks and unemployment benefits that are in sometimes, you know, more than they would have been making. Um, at their job. I don't know exactly what's going on right now with unemployment, if it's people are still making, you know, more than they had made while they were working. Um, I guess what I would say back to that is, you know, like, um, I think billionaires in the US uh, net worth went up by like 62% during the pandemic. So these companies are doing very well, um, while wages are pretty much stagnant. Um, and people are bargaining away sort of their rights to basic health care, to retirement plans, to uh, raises that even keep up with inflation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, of course, workers are you know, going to to stay home or choose, especially women, I would have to say, or parents, I would have to say in particular, um, you know, they have also the, the job of childcare, which has been a nightmare during the pandemic. Um, so I think, yeah, you can definitely expect that um if people have the opportunity to, they might they might end up staying home, especially if they don't have access to childcare. I guess um what I would say is that if you want people to go back to work, you have to you have to pay more. Um, and that's what workers are saying as well. They're they're showing that um by 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 quitting or by staying home. Um you need to pay more, you need to keep up with inflation, you need you can't be cutting our our benefits. Um so, uh, so yeah, I don't, I guess I, I don't blame people for wanting to stay home.
0: <laughs> All right. So as we roll uh, out of October and into November, I feel like this isn't going to let up. It's just going to continue. Um, do we need a better name than strike tober? Do we need some sort of <laughs> fall or November branding for this thing? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to continue into November, um, for sure. Uh, I guess when does it, when does it end? Uh, I guess maybe more when like COVID ends. I mean, I think that a lot of this is, was created by COVID. Um, so we do need a new name. Um, I don't even know if it's a strike wave. Like I said, like it's, it's definitely just an increase in sort of militant activity by workers in all different forms, um, from quitting to unionizing. Um, do you have
0: any ideas? Uh, no, but the chat does. Uh, Futterman okay. Ru- Futterman's rule says Strike Fest 2021, which I actually kind of like. I think that's not bad. Okay. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna play us out here. Lauren Kaora Gurley, thank you so much for coming onto uh, the Twitch stream and walking us through all of this. If anyone wants to see more of her stuff, it's up on the screen here. It's all on, and I've uh, dropped the link into the stream chat. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. Thank
1: you so much.
0: And we will be back uh, next week, and I think starting tomorrow, actually, with a whole lot of discussions about Dune. It's going to be wall-to-wall Dune on this channel for, for a little bit. All right. Everyone stay safe.
1: Traffic jams